Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome back to Fat Chicks on Top. We have been on hiatus for a long time. This is Auntie Vice, your host and producer. I apologize for the lengthy delay in getting out new episodes. While I had recorded a few, I became very ill and was unable to work on it for over a year. Now we're back. We're slightly reformatted and we're bringing you episodes with the goal of making them drop weekly on Sundays. This episode, we're going to be talking about the Earn It Act. We'll be talking about rainbow kisses. I'll also be talking about some of the fun and exciting toys and classes I've been teaching. So let's get to it. First, I want to talk about the Earn It Act. The Earn It Act is the first thing I'm coming back to Fat Chicks on Top with because it is such a pressing issue, and it involves all of us and all of our privacy. So if you're concerned at all with online privacy and with using children to create a premise to read all of your emails and personal messages, you're going to want to know about the Earn It Act. The Earn It Act was originated uh, in the Senate this year. And it's working its way through. It's technically Senate Bill 3583, and the full title is Eliminating Abuse and Rampant Neglect of Interactive Technology. This bill was created by Lindsey Graham, who is Senator Sycophant and sucks up to the hard right like nobody else does. He created this bill as a pretext to create laws which would allow government agencies, including the FBI, CIA, Homeland Security, and others, to be able to read all of your private messages on any social media app, to catalog them, to identify you, to identify any minors you reference in your social media, and then to keep it on file with the various agencies. If that sounds unappealing, you will may want to stay tuned to learn more about this act. This act has originated with the idea that a lot of child sex trafficking and child pornography happens online. And this is true. We do have a problem with child sex abuse and sex trafficking in the United States. Those are two different things. And a lot of the child pornography and access to children for sexual purposes happen online. Large websites such as Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, TikTok, all of that have very serious rules about anything related to sexuality and have shut down access to any type of information, even basic health information on these sites, under the pretext of preventing any type of sex trafficking as a result of the SESTA and FOSTA acts passed a couple of years back. This act wants to go further. 
this act wants to create a commission with the pretext that they would give cover for conservative legislators to pass legislation allowing them to read, de-encrypt, catalog, and continue to to watch your emails and identify any persons uh, mentioned in your emails or images through facial recognition software, through IP address tracing, and other means. So I want to break this act down in what it does and what it proposes to do and what it will do. So what this act does is it creates a commission. I was the head of a commission in the state of California. These are government agencies which are created uh, and have a, a membership charged with overseeing a certain area of law. And I worked for a commission for the status of women and girls and was charged with working on policy and legislative work uh, to better the lives of women and girls. This commission, through the Earn It Act, would be comprised of the Attorney General or his representative, the Homeland Security Secretary, the Secretary of the FTC, uh, four members appointed by a majority leader of the Senate, four members appointed by the majorities, uh, the Speaker of the House, four by the minority leader of the Senate, and four by the congressional minority leader. So you have a bunch of you know, agency secretaries at the top, and then another eight or 16 members appointed by uh, the House and Senate. This commission is charged with looking at online technologies, including any site over 30,000 members, which is most of the sites we're on, and figure out how to monitor direct messaging and other encrypted messages to allow the government to look at them to under the pretense of trying to search out sex trafficking and childhood sex abuse and pornography. They don't give specific definitions to child sex abuse and child pornography, which leaves it open for a large, quite, quite a scope for what they're looking at. It also allows government agencies to catalog these messages, to keep them on file, to continue if you have anything that would flag your content as a possible suspect, to continue to monitor, download, uh, decrypt, and identify everybody and every place you've mentioned in your, your message and keep it on file in case they need to do an investigation. Right. Now, getting rid of childhood sexual abuse and childhood sex trafficking would be great. Right? But let's look at what actually happens when you put this commission together. Right? When you have the commission, the membership is going to be the Attorney General of the United States, the Secretary of Homeland Security, the Secretary of the Federal Trade Commission, and then this other group of leaders. Right? Uh, when you have people of the level of a secretary of an entire federal department at the head, everybody else on that commission is going to bow to their wishes. So basically, this commission gives permission to the Attorney General, Secretary of Homeland Security, and FTC to suggest any legislation that would benefit their agencies. The Attorney General and Homeland Security have notoriously been uh, bad about violating privacy rights, regardless of which side of the aisle appointed them. There are, uh, there's a provision that two members have to have some experience. They don't identify what that experience is, but some experience with civil liberties. So there's almost no protection of your civil liberties at all with this bill, right? So it comes together and they have to produce within a year of the founding of this commission, a report with appropriate legislative and oversight actions to reduce childhood sex trafficking. 
when a commission is charged with that, what they're trying to do is the legislators who are pulling together to pass this commission, what they want to do is give themselves cover to violate some law. And then they can just say, well, the experts said we need it. It's not really coming from us. And this is really important. And they use childhood sexual exploitation as this red flag, right? It's something that nobody wants to happen to a kid. It has horrible repercussions, right? But uh, this act won't actually impact it. If we look at who is sexually abused in this country, um, and the fear is always it's going to be some little blonde girl, right? But the reality of, in America, who is abused are children who are runaways, children who are in the foster or juvenile care system, uh, juvenile justice system, victims of childhood abuse at the hands of a trusted adult already, and children with physical and cognitive disabilities, right? Kids don't run away for no reason. Kids run away because their homes are already unsafe. Children who are in the foster care system or the juvenile justice system have already undergone trauma. Most traffickers and most people who recruit kids into sex work target kids who have already been exploited at home, who've already experienced trauma. And they work on that and befriend them, and that's the way they lure them into these trafficking situations. Right? If we look at the major groups that have covered up childhood sexual abuse, it's things like the Catholic Church, the Evangelical Church, the Boy Scouts. These are not people who are sending messages back and forth on Facebook or TikTok. These are people who are sending emails or discussing it over the phone. So this act would do nothing to protect kids in those areas. Right. There is some evidence that trafficking of children has happened through places like Facebook. And Facebook put up a fight of, uh, to have people add software which would uh, target the activities of people to identify possible suspects for pimping. Right? And Facebook has long fought against that. Right? And it is a problem. I, I recognize that that part is a problem. Uh, but this act is so broad, it doesn't target the appropriate people. Right? And then it's kids who um, are physically and cognitively disabled. Right? Things that we know help these groups are extending food stamps and other social safety nets to people under 18. If you've had to run away because your home is not safe, if you are in the foster care system and you're bouncing from house to house, right? and we know the foster care system is overloaded and doesn't work, having access to your own food, having access to other safety net programs as a youth, as a teenager, is a way to create a level of financial independence where doing sex work um, and being lured into this with the promise of money and freedom is less appealing. Right. We also know that food stamps and other social safety nets reduces stress at home. It has been tied to a reduction in child abuse. It has been tied to a reduction in adult stress and anxiety. All of these things create a better home environment. So if you want to help kids before they end up as a runaway, before they end up in the foster care system, and before they're being exploited, you help the parents at home. And we know these work but they're constantly under attack because we have framed this as somehow unworthy people are getting it, right? Other things that help prevent childhood abuse and childhood sex trafficking are access to mental health professionals, both for the adults who have 
committed these crimes or who have been victims of themselves because former victims tend to perpetrate new crimes. So access to mental health professionals, which is very limited, and access to good mental health professionals in this country, especially if you are not a white woman, is incredibly limited. Access to affordable health care, right? While you may be able to get onto insurance under uh, the American Care Act, it doesn't mean that your mental health co-pays are accessible. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the time off work to see a therapist between nine and five, right? So to have mental health care and physical health care that is affordable and accessible means making it mandatory to give time off and paid time off for adults to seek these services while they are working, right? We need appropriate childhood sex education. One of the reasons that so many physically and, and mentally uh, disabled kids are targeted for this group is because they don't have the words to tell somebody what's going on. We don't give kids the words, especially kids with cognitive delays. We don't give appropriate sex education. We don't give appropriate sex education in most states in this country. And appropriate sex education would give kids language to express what's going on, would talk about consent, would talk about body safety, but we don't do that in most of these areas. And this act does nothing to increase access to any of those services that can reduce uh, childhood sexual abuse. So we've got this act that's very exploitive, that's a cover to come and read and decrypt all of your emails, and is effectively going to do nothing to end childhood sexual exploitation. If you are concerned about this act, you can find out more through loveletterstoaunicorn.com. There's an entire post on it, as well as ways to contact your federal representatives to express your concerns. Additionally, on March 9th, I will be teaching uh, I'm Kinky and I Vote Through Wicked Grounds, which is how to do advocacy using your story and your set of skills to appropriately advocate for the issues you want. Stay tuned for the next segment on Rainbow Kisses. Thanks for staying tuned. Uh, so this is the sex section of this, the, this session. I want to talk this week about rainbow kisses. Rainbow kisses are getting more traction in the media and people, this is, this is the new sex craze, sex trend that a lot of the media folks want to talk about. And you may have heard of it, you may not. If you don't know what a rainbow kiss is, a rainbow kiss is when somebody is on their period and a partner goes down and has oral sex and then the partner who's on their period has oral sex with somebody who has a penis. And when their partner ejaculates, they kiss and they mingle the menstrual blood and the semen. It, I'm not exactly sure why this is currently the trend, but it's become something that more people are interested in. So if you're interested in it, let's talk about some of the safety stuff. Uh, so you are mixing body fluids, which means if you or a partner has most STIs, right? Things like gonorrhea and chlamydia, uh, you can be swapping them, right? You can get oral gonorrhea, you can get oral chlamydia. And so still knowing your partner's STI status becomes important with it. Another question that frequently comes up is, can you get AIDS or HIV from this? The chances are very low. We've known for a long time that while menstrual blood can have HIV in it, 
oral ingestion of blood provides a very low risk. There is an enzyme in your saliva that breaks it, breaks down the virus and makes transmission orally very low. Now, if you have an open wound in your mouth, say you have a canker sore or you've had recent dental work and are doing this, there is a very small chance that HIV could enter the bloodstream through the open wound in your mouth. So if you've had dental work, if you have a cold sore, put off doing this, right? Um, so that's the safety stuff on it. Why would people want to do this? Some people find playing with bodily fluids really sexy. It's very intimate. In a world where we stress things like uh, barrier protection, things like internal and external condoms and dental dams, having sex with a partner without barriers and having oral sex without a partner without barriers can feel very romantic. So yeah, it can be a thing. Uh, if you're going to do it, I would suggest uh, having extra towels around. This is going to be a sloppy event. And uh, having some towels on the bed if you're on a period, if your partner's on their period, uh, if, and it's heavy bleeding, you know, you'll, you'll want towels underneath them. And uh, make sure to clean up thoroughly afterwards. If you have any question whether or not they have um, an STI, make sure you use a mouthwash, but don't brush your teeth immediately afterwards. Brushing your teeth can cause microabrasions on the gums and allow places for germs to enter. So you'll want to use a mouthwash afterwards and then put off brushing for an hour or two, and then you'll be safe. Enjoy. Thanks for joining the first edition back of Fat Chicks on Top. If you're interested in being a guest on Fat Chicks, please contact us as AuntieVice at FatChicksOnTop.com. We're always looking for new and interesting people to talk to. Thank you. This has been an episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Fat Chicks on Top is produced and hosted by Auntie Vice. Audio production is by A Serious Production. You can find all information about Fat Chicks on Top at fatchicksontop.com and follow Auntie Vice at Auntie Vice on most social media.